Well, good morning, Bethel Christian Center. Uh, here we are again on a virtual platform due to what's going on in our world with the coronavirus. And I want to say I thank God for this platform. I thank God for the technology that we have to still continue to meet, although virtually. But I will say this, I sure do miss coming to church. For all you who are out watching us virtually, watching by YouTube or or Facebook video. And if there's some that's joining us today that are not uh, members of our church, if you're local here in Durham, North Carolina, we would invite you to come and, and be a part of our church and be a part of what's going on here at 3518 Rose of Sharon Road here in Durham. But I do, I miss my church family. I miss gathering in in person. I miss our praise and worship team. I miss our pastor being able to sit out and hear him preach. And, and I, miss, uh, I miss the hugs. I miss the hugs and the handshakes. I hope one day we can hug and handshake again. But in the meantime, God has granted us this technology to still speak forth his word and gather together. And I'm honored here to be a part of this this morning at Bethel. Before I get started, I do have to say I want to reach out to any uh, first responder, whether you're a police officer, whether you are a firefighter, an EMS, whether you're a doctor or nurse, anybody working in the medical profession. And we have some of those here in our fellowship. And I want to say thank you on behalf of Bethel Christian Center. Thank you for what you're doing for us. Our prayers are with you. We know that as we shelter in place and do our part and do the things that, to try to be obedient to the government authorities at this time, that you are out there on the front line taking care of what you have to take care of and taking care of us. And I do want you to know that we are praying for you uh, consistently, that God will protect you. This week we move into what is the most important week, I think, of the Christian faith, and that is Holy Week. I've actually seen on the internet a couple of times where people said, well, for the first time ever in America, Holy Week won't be celebrated. And I know what they mean by that. I think they mean traditionally, within the walls of a church maybe. But I want to tell you, although the church may be empty, and this church here for the most part this morning is empty, so is the tomb. And we will celebrate Easter as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe even in a better way than we celebrate sometime we come together. We will gather in our homes. Pastor Don will be here next Sunday preaching the Word of God. And we will gather in our homes and with our family, and we will celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. And so don't make no, make no doubt about it that, that we will be celebrating Easter and the resurrection of Christ here in this nation and across the world. But with that, our church throughout the week, if you're, if you're a member of Bethel, uh, be, be watching your email, be watching Facebook, because throughout this week there will be some devotions given by different uh, members of our church. Brother Michael, Brother Dan, and some others will be giving a devotion as it relates to Holy Week. And so we hope that you'll join in and see those. And, and this is Palm Sunday. This is the, the, when we recognize Jesus, not only his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and I would like to read that account out of the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles this morning or your devices, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 21, and I'll be reading the account of the triumphal entry. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foil of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and sat him on them. 
And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And we know that when Jesus came into Jerusalem, it says they cut down branches. Many of those were palm branches. They laid them on and, and, and said, Hosanna to the highest. They recognized Jesus coming in. Unfortunately, they were looking for a political king. They were looking for a national king. But Jesus was a spiritual king, and he still is. And he was coming into what would be the darkest day and the darkest moments of his life, knowing that he was coming into Jerusalem to be tried, to be beaten, to be crucified, but more importantly for you and I to rise again. And so that's what we'll be celebrating this week during Holy Week, and we ask that you tune in to hear many of the devotions that we'll have surrounding this week. You know, we're living in some very, very interesting times. I've never seen anything like this before. I don't think anyone has. A nation that is gripped with the coronavirus. I must admit, I watch too much news. I spend too much time on that and it begins to affect me. I was telling my wife the other day that I turn the news on and I watch it and I see the same thing over and over. I see sickness, I see death, I see suffering, and it bothers me. It bothers my humanity, it bothers me as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I have to push away from that because what happens, it begins to create anxiety and fear in me. And you can't deal with something like this as a nation and not, it not affect you on some level. And, and, and couple that with the fact that much of what we read today and we see today, we see through social media. And we see things in social media that say things like, you know, the Bible says 365 times, thou shalt not fear. Now, I fact check that, by the way, and that's not completely accurate. But I do want to tell you that the scriptures do tell us a lot about as believers that we should not fear. But when things like this happen in our lives and we see this, we see sickness, we see death, we see maybe even our own personal stocks going down or someone we know has been touched by this, it can lend to fear. And what I have found is as I, as I sit there and I watch these things or I hear the news like you do, I sense anxiety welling up in me. And I say, Lord, is there something wrong with me? Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you are, are listening this morning and you're one of those who've lost your job. Maybe you're worried about your life savings. Maybe you're worried about getting sick. And you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you, you sense fear. And then in the back of your mind, you hear all those scriptures and you read those scriptures. And you say, but, but God, why am I afraid? Why am I afraid? If, I, if these scriptures are true and they are, why am I afraid? I want to tell you something. I want to encourage you with something this morning. God's not afraid of your fears. He can handle your fear. And he can help you deal with your fear. And so for the next few minutes, we're going to look at how we deal with fear. So the title of the message this morning is Dealing with Fear. We have a Wednesday night Bible study here. Uh, We have moved into the book of Hebrews to study. I hope you'll be a part of that. We're doing everything on Wednesday night by Zoom. I must admit, prior to this, I didn't even hardly know what Zoom was. But Zoom is Zooming. Every other business might be struggling, but Zoom, I'm, I'm sure many of you who are listening have done something this week or in the last couple of weeks by Zoom. And so we're doing our Wednesday night Bible study on the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews, in essence, is about the superiority of Christ. He is superior to everything. He did everything we need for salvation. 
And so in preparation to, to, for our Bible study on that, I decided to sit down and read the whole book. I hope you'll do that. If you're a part of Bethel, I hope you'll be a part of our Wednesday night studies. Just click into the link that goes out on the email. But read, sit down and read the whole book of Hebrews. And I was reading that book, and I read something, and, and when I read this scripture, it made me go, hmm. You know, if you read and study God's word, a lot of times it'll make you go, hmm. And it'll speak to your heart about something that maybe you're dealing with. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews 5, 7. And I want to read this scripture to you. It says, who in the days of his flesh. Now I want to stop there. This is about Jesus. The book of Hebrews is about the superiority of Jesus. It's about him being our high priest. It's about him being tempted in every way that he could not just, that he could understand our fear. The Bible says that we didn't come to God. God came down to us. That's what separates Christianity. Many other religions, they're trying to get to God. God came down to this earth to us. Emmanuel with us. And he came down and he was tempted in every way. He was sad. He hurt. He was hungry. He was all the things that we experience in our flesh. And now he sits, so now he can sit at the right hand of the Father and he can be my mediator because he understands the struggles that I have. And that's what this scripture was referring to. It said, Who in the days of his flesh, referring to Jesus, when he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries, and tears to him was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Now I read that and I thought, so here Jesus is. Now what he's referring to there, which is going to be the meat of our study, is his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he was going to the cross. And it said that when he, he prayed and he was heard because of his godly fear. And I thought, so if the Lord Jesus Christ had a fear... I think he can understand my fears. Because what we have to understand, what we believe as Christians is that we believe that Jesus Christ was all God and he was all man. He won't part God and part man. He was all God. He had all the deity of God, all the attributes of God. But at the same time, he had all the attributes of man. He understood what it was to walk in the flesh. And make no doubt about it, church, Jesus of Nazareth would have been very familiar with what he was about to face at the hands of the Romans. The Romans were brutal. The Romans were masters of punishment. The Romans were masters of the crucifixion. We've all faced things. I know many of you out there have faced maybe a doctor's report that's coming up, maybe a doctor's result, and you know that what you're facing and the anxiety that comes from that. Could you imagine being Jesus of Nazareth and knowing that in a few short days you would be tied to a whipping post beaten with a whip that the Bible says, had, that, that, that history tells us had bone in it that would slash open the flesh and they'd be taken to a cross to be crucified. That's what he was facing as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. We recently in our men's group, we had a doctor come and give us the medical, the crucifixion in a medical perspective. Horrific. It's a horrific death and what Jesus suffered and how he died from a medical perspective. And Jesus knew he was suffering. He was facing this in his flesh. But you know, as I studied this, that's not really what caused his agony. Yes, I do believe in his flesh. He was godly afraid of, of what he was going to face in that. But he was more agonized about what he would face in his spirit. Jesus knew, the sinless son of God, that he was going to take on the sin of mankind. 
Sinless, he's perfectly sinless. He was going to sense our sin. He was going to hang on a cross for us, and he was going to take on the wrath of God for us. And that's what created most of that agony that he dealt with. But what I want to do for the next few minutes, as Jesus was facing the darkest day of his life, as he was facing anxiety, knowing what was facing him both in the flesh and in the spirit, I want to look at how he dealt with it. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's found in Matthew 26, verses 36 through 41. As I go through this, I'm going to pause it as we get, go through some of the scriptures. I'm going to give you a little bit of homework this week. Most of you are stuck at home, so homework shouldn't be very hard for you. But there's a couple things that I want to challenge you to do with this scriptures. Starting at verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there. And he took with him Peter and the sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Two things I want you to to take out of that is how Jesus was facing the darkest days of his life. First, he relied on his friends. Notice that Jesus took his disciples with him. And then as he slipped off, he took Peter, James, and John with him. He took his inner circle with him, even closer to him as he prayed. And the scriptures tell us that many times as Jesus went off to pray, he he went off by himself. But in this particular time when Jesus was facing the darkest days of his life, he chose to take his disciples with him. We were not created to do this life on our own. God created us to be in fellowship with each other. And so I want to challenge you this week that as you face this, whether it's the coronavirus fear, whether it's a personal fear, something that you're dealing with in your life, don't do it alone. Rely on your friends. Rely on your family. Call your friends. Call your family this week. You'll be amazed at how much that will help you. As I watch this, as things start to come into my mind, as anxiety starts to come into my mind, one of the things I do is I pick up the phone and I call. We've been trying to uh, keep contact with all the, all the people of our church. It helps me to call and say, how are you doing? How are you holding up? And then we just have a conversation. I've reached out to many of my former co-workers who are still in the law enforcement profession. And I've said, hey, how's it going? How's it going out there? And then we go into a conversation and we talk for a little while. And I can encourage them and sometimes I can pray with them. That will help you as you face, whether it's corona or it's a personal situation in your life. You know, there's a song that says, lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. We all need it. We all need it. So I want to challenge you this week that as you watch the news like I do, as you face the coronavirus, if you face the anxiety and the fears that come from that, that this week you call your family. Maybe you can't go visit them, but thank goodness. And, and I'm going to challenge you. I, I know I like social media like anyone else, but don't do it through Facebook or Snapchat or any of those other things. Make, or even text. Make a phone call. It just helps to hear people's voices. Or FaceTime, I like that too. You know, I'm having to FaceTime with my oldest son and my grandchild. I can't see my grandchild. My wife works in a hospital environment, and because of that, we don't want to go by. We don't want to take the chance. But I get to see that little guy by FaceTime, and it it helps me to see him and see my sons. And so I want to challenge you this week to do that, to call your friends, your family, and especially those who you know live alone. I had a chance to speak with someone out of our church this week, and, and she said to me, she said, I'm doing really good. She said, I'm a little lonely. 
We don't want people to be lonely. As God's people, we don't want people to be lonely. So take some time to call. Jesus relied on his friends in the darkest days, and I think we can rely on ours. Next, look at Jesus. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Look what Jesus did. He acknowledged where he was. He was the son of God. But he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Folks, we will never get help if we don't acknowledge our condition. If you're, if you're scared, if you're lonely, if there's something happening in your, in your life, you pick up that phone and you call someone and you say, I, I need you to know this. I mentioned I come out of law enforcement profession, and those are some of the toughest people that you'll encounter. And they're the last group that ever wants to acknowledge that, look, I need help. But we all need help at times. We all need help. We all need to rely on someone at some times. Don't be afraid to acknowledge that condition, that I am lonely, and pick up that phone. You know, the scriptures tell us, it says, is any sick among you, let them call on the elders of the church. That puts the onus on the person to call and say, hey, I'm sick. I need someone to pray with me. But oftentimes what happens, we don't do that. We don't acknowledge our condition. We don't initiate the call. And then that can lead to bitterness. It can lead to, why hadn't somebody helping me? The church, we can't help people that we don't know your condition. And you have to be willing to acknowledge it. So I challenge you that during this coronavirus, or or whether it's a personal tragedy, acknowledge that you need help. I need help. All of us at some point need a shoulder to lean on. And in this particular case, Jesus said his soul was sorrowful even to death. And he told his friends, stay here with me. Next, verse 39. It says, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I want to look at a couple things there. First, look what Jesus did. He prayed. Jesus prayed. Jesus was a man of prayer. Our pastor spoke last week out of Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and pray and seek my face, church, we have to. Prayer is a very difficult discipline. I want to ask you: Do you have a prayer life? Do you pray? We have a lot of time on our hands. Some of us do. I know some of you are working from home and still very busy. But I want to challenge you in this time to pray. I saw something on the news this morning that was so encouraging to me. It was, it was four or five nurses, and they interviewed one of them on the news in Nashville, Tennessee. And they had gone up to the top of the hospital that they work at, and they were standing there, and it showed an image of them, and they had their protective gear on. And one was standing there with her hands raised, and one was on her knees, and they were doing their distancing, but they were praying. And they interviewed one of the nurses, and they said, well, you know, what, why are you doing this? She said, we want to intercede I think we can intercede. I think we can touch God. And they said, we want to be at the highest spot in this hospital, and we want our prayers to cover it. Folks, in this time like this, in a time of crisis, and particularly in a time of national crisis, we need God's people praying. And, the st- and statistics show us, because it is, a dis- it is very contrary to our flesh. It's something we have to grow into. And I'm still growing into that. But the moment you slip off to pray, sometime everything else starts to occupy your mind. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 5, and 6. He said, and when you pray, this was his first public sermon, the Mount, Sermon on the Mount. He said, when you pray, he didn't say if you pray, he said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. 
For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in a secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a secret place in your, in your life where you go and meet God? Do you have a secret place in your home? Do you have a place in your home where you can slip away with just you and the Lord? I, like to, I have a place in my home. I like to do it outside. But I want to challenge you this week, if you've got some extra time on your hands, to go and make the pray. It, I understand that it's, it can be a scary thing. You say, I, I, brother, I don't even know how to pray. Where do I even start? It's just a conversation with God. You can sit down with him and you can talk with him about those fears, about those anxieties. You can pour out your heart to him and he will hear you. We have an uh, acronym here at our church that we like to help people with as they approach prayer. It gives you, if you're going to go and maybe you say, I'm going to take your challenge, Larry. I'm going to go this week and I'm going to try to start into a discipline of a prayer. I want to give you this acronym that you can use that might help you. It's ACTS. If you're sitting in your living room and you have access to something to write on, you can write that down. A-C-T-S, Acts. The A starts, is, is where you start, it's with adoration. It's just coming to God and acknowledging who he is. Acknowledging his holiness, acknowledging his greatness. There's a scripture in Hebrews that also says that those who come to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those who come to God must believe he is God, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So start there. Just acknowledge who he is. And then next, the C is confession. Confession is not a one-time thing. There is repentance, and I'm going to talk about that at the end of this message. But come and confess to the Lord your fears. Confess, yeah, I, I, I shouldn't be anxious at times. There's things I sh that, that control my mind at times it shouldn't. God's not afraid of that. I come and I confess that to him. Lord, this week hadn't been a good week for me. I've struggled with some anxiety. I've struggled with some things that I don't like about myself. And I confess those things to him. And his child, he hears those things. Thanksgiving, be thankful. A spirit of thanksgiving will do more for you in a time of anxiety than you could imagine. That you look around and see what you do have to be thankful for, both in the natural and in the spiritual. And then next is supplication. And unfortunately, in our American culture, that's where most of us start. That's where we come to God and we need something. We want something. I couldn't help but think this last month with this thing going on and and how many people are being touched by this? How many people have likely prayed to God that maybe hadn't prayed to him in a while? Psalm 46 and 1 says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And so I'm glad that I can come to him in my time of trouble. But I don't want God just to hear from me when I'm in need. I want him to have heard from me when things are going good. I want my prayer life to be just as strong when things are going okay as it is when things are going bad. I find it interesting, I, and I'm sure you have, I've seen on the news before, and particularly when there's been an airplane that hit a lot of turbulence, maybe they thought the plane was going to go down, and they begin to interview people and say, well, tell me what you thought. You know what they say? I just started praying. I just started praying. And I don't mean that as a judgmental statement, but what I asked myself, I said, I wonder if they've ever prayed before. So let's let God hear our voice, not just in the times of coronavirus, not just in the times of personal uh, tragedy and personal struggles, but let's let him hear our voice when things are good. Let's make some time every day if you can and start small. 
I wish I could say, look, if you, you go in and, and, and sit down and many will say, well, I'm going to go try to pray for an hour. If you don't have a, 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 a discipline of prayer, you may not make that. But you start, you go in and say, get your Bible, open it up, read one chapter. And then spend a couple minutes just praying with the Lord. Talk to him. Express your fears. Express your concerns. Glorify him. Confess to him. Give thanks to him. And then make your requests known to him. Prayer. Jesus prayed. Next. Jesus said this. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus trusted the sovereignty of God the Father. I don't know what God is doing in in the midst of this coronavirus. Pastor and I have spoken. Some others have spoken. We can't look at something that is so worldwide and and nationwide and having such an impact on us and not think that God is trying to do something in the midst of it. We know he's sovereign over everything. But I don't know what he's... I do know this. It does appear that everything that we idolize in this nation, whether it's sports, entertainment, our money, seems to be put on pause for a little while. Is that God's intent in that? I have no idea. But I know one thing. We have some time on our hands as a nation that we had not had in a while. And I don't know what he's doing in this. And I don't understand why he does what he does all the time. But he's sovereign. And I have to trust in his plans. And so I'm going to challenge you to trust. Jesus did. He trusted in God. He said, let this cup pass from me. He, he didn't want to go through that. He, did, he didn't want to go through that in his flesh. He didn't want to sense the sin, my sin and your sin. He didn't want to do deal with any of that. But he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, I hope you will not give way to doubts and despondency. But do what you can and leave the rest to God. We believe in healing here. There's been many people we've prayed for. Some have been healed, some have not. We leave that to God. We trust his word. We do what his word tells us. We leave the results to him. Spurgeon went on to say, Blessed is the man who has the God of Jacob for his helper. He need not fear either want or pain or death. The more you can realize this, the happier you will become. And the only means for doing so is to hold frequent communion with God in prayer. Get along with Jesus and he will comfort your hearts and restore your weary souls. Jesus relied on his friends, he acknowledged his condition, he prayed, and he trusted in the sovereignty of his Father. Lastly, in verse 40, Jesus said this, it said that the Bible tells us this, Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus knew that this flesh is prone to fear and weakness. As I said, he, was, he lived in this flesh, tempted in every way, but without sin. He knew what that flesh struggle was like between the desires of our flesh and what we know we should be doing in our spirit. There's always that battle. I've heard our pastor say many times, he said, that battle between flesh and spirit is like two dogs fighting. Which one wins? The one you feed the most. How much are you feeding your flesh and how much are you feeding your spirit? How do you feed your spirit? You feed your spirit with his word. You feed feed your spirit in prayer. You you feed your spirit in communion with the saints. In the communion. 
all these things. And that struggle is always there. And there's many times that you're going to want to do things. You're going to want to read your word. You're going to want to pray. But that old flesh, it's hard sometimes. And Jesus acknowledged that. That flesh is prone to fear and weakness. He relied on his friends. He acknowledged his condition. He prayed and he trusted the sovereignty of God the Father. And he knew that that flesh, he let us know that that flesh was prone to fear and weakness. In closing, I, as I've talked about this and how this peace can come, how we can follow Jesus' example in dealing with these things and find peace in the midst of whether it's coronavirus or some personal struggle. We have to understand first that these come, things come from the peace of God. These come from the peace of God. But you can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. You will never know what it means to have the peace of God till you have peace with God. Paul, talking to the church at Rome, said that this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you, if you've joined this morning, if you're part of our church here, and, and, and maybe you've joined and not part of our church, do you have this peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ? It comes through repentance. It comes by you with a sincere heart coming to Christ, recognizing that you're a sinner. God is a perfectly holy God, and there's a standard I can't meet. There's a standard you can't meet. But if I'll come to him and acknowledge that and ask him to forgive me of my sin and put my trust in him, the Bible tells me I have peace with God. And when I have that peace with God, then I can experience the peace of God. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what you're facing, I can have that peace of God. If you do that this morning, if you feel the tug in your heart that you need to come and repent of your sin, if you do that this morning, I'm going to challenge you to call our church. I'll give you the number. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the number. It's 919-383-5433. That's the number of our church. 919-383-5433. If you did that, if you surrendered your life to Christ, call us. We want to hear about it. We want to follow up with you. There's many people's hearts that are in unique positions during this time that are seeking answers. And we're here to tell you that the answer is found in Christ. And we hope that you will make that commitment. I'm going to pray, and then I want to finish with the scripture. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your example in the garden of Gethsemane. Lord, when you faced your darkest day, when you came, God, to take on the sins of the world, my sin, God, I have to repent. Every one of us have to come to you and ask you to forgive us of our sins. It has to be done on a personal level. And, God, you went to the cross for that. You took on my sin. You took the wrath of God. And now you just say, come to me. Come unto you, Lord. And you'll give us peace with God. So we thank you for the hope that we have. Lord, I want to pray for anyone now who is struggling God, whether it's sickness through corona, whether it's some other sickness, God, I have thought so much this week about the many who will sit at a, a table to write bills and there's no money there. God, I want to pray for them. I want to pray for those, God, who are worried and concerned. Lord, I want to pray, Lord God, that somehow your spirit would come around and give comfort in this time. And I want to pray, God, I thank you that really your church is deployed. 
that we're out, God, that we are calling. Maybe we can't go out and visit in person, but we're calling. And I want to challenge every believer to call and check on and see what doors may God open for those of us who are in a position to help those who are in need. God, this is the time for your people, God, to arise. God, and show the hope that we have. And we thank you, Lord, for the example of relying on friends, acknowledging our condition, that we can pray to you, and that ultimately we can trust you. And we put our faith and our trust in you. God, if there's one, God, who you moved on their heart, God, that they surrendered their self to you, I pray they'll call. God, that we can encourage them. If they're local, they can come be a part of this body of believers. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, I want to close with this. This is where, this is what the hope and the promise that we have when we have peace of God. Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he was in prison for preaching the gospel. He knew ultimately he was going to be killed for his faith. And this is what he said. And if you have your trust in Christ, all the promises of this scripture are for you and they're for me. Be anxious. You can substitute the word worry there. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, that's that peace of God that comes from the peace with God, which surpasses all understanding. I've seen people in some tremendously terrible situations, and they exhibit a peace that I, even as a believer, I say, I'd be scared to death. I'd be a mess. But I believe when you need that peace and you belong to the Lord, he ushers in and gives it. That peace of God that passes all understanding. When you don't know what's going on in your life, when you don't know what's going on around you, you can stand in the confidence that it's going to be okay. Because that peace passes all understanding. And what does it do? It guards your heart and it guards your mind. In Christ Jesus. And my prayer for you as you watch is that you come to the Lord. Maybe it's fear of a coronavirus. Maybe it's fear of a losing your job. You trust him. You, you seek him and watch him guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. In closing, Brother Dan, our missions director, has a video. He wants to, we want, he wants to come to you by video this morning and challenge you in our, in our uh, giving to missions. God bless you. Uh, we hope you have a great week. Once again, if you need something, you call on us. If you surrendered your life to Christ today, you call on us. And we're here to be the church and to help you. God bless you. Good morning. Here we are at home having church. Isn't technology wonderful? And we're at home having church because never before in the history of mankind... Has there been anything like what we're experiencing? A disease has crippled our world. However, we are the children of God, and God is still on the throne. And wait, there's more. Our Lord is sitting at the right side, interceding for us, and He promised never to leave us or forsake us. So we have nothing to fear. Today is Mission Sunday, and I want to encourage you to give to our missions. Because you see, our missionaries that we support are depending on our giving. They may be in a place where they have no other support other than what we're sending them. You know, in every crisis, 
there is an opportunity to share the gospel. People are open, and we have the answer. So won't you please consider giving as you write your, your check for tithes? Won't you give a little extra for missions? You can give on our app, or you can mail the check to the church. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are on the throne and you promised that no plague would come near us. And Father, I pray for our church and I pray for our world. I pray for our country. I pray for our president and all the decision makers. Father, it is concerning and we should have a legitimate concern by following the rules and everything we're supposed to. But we cannot have the right to turn it into worry. We don't worry because we know that you are still at our side and you will never leave us or forsake us. Father, as people prepare their giving, I pray that you will bless, Father, so that they will open their, their hearts and their checkbooks, Father, to our missionaries. Many are suffering much more than we are because they are in countries that don't give them the support that the United States does. So Father, bless our people and bless our missionaries and bless this offering. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.